podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up. I am RJ. I am joined by the two greatest referees of all time. First and foremost, the returning. He's back and he's better than ever, Mr. Jimmy Corderas. And he's sporting a new phone because, well, folks, yeah, well, it's it's Brian Hebner, so we'll just go with that. But, Jimmy, man, we are so thrilled to welcome you back. You are back in the States. Well, not in the States, but in mm-hmm. home. <laughs> and uh, everything looked very well. <laughs> yeah, No, we had a great time. It needed a little break. It's been a while, especially during the pandemic. We haven't gotten anywhere. So the missus and I took a little impromptu trip overseas back to uh, where my family is from, Greece, and really had an awesome time. It was incredible. Ryan, what's up, buddy? uh, Hey, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, golly, great to to have you back, buddy. I really have missed you. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm thrilled, and I hope you are, too. Uh, We missed you. No, I'm I'm very happy to be back and looking forward to to, uh, chatting to a good friend of yours, Brian. Yes. Well, listen, before we get into the first count, though, Jimmy, Jimmy, K-Fabing is over for you. You K-Fabed us on this trip. Mm. You're, you're not supposed to K-Fabe your co-workers. Well, I, I K-Fabed everybody. It was again, it was a, it was an impromptu thing. But at the same time, it was kind of like uh, uh, making up for lost time. Let's put it that way. You know, well, I'm glad you had time. Your ass is back now. Let's get to work. All right. <laughs> well, with that being said, you can't get a much better transition than that, folks. But let's send it up to our first count. This is your one count. This past week was a monumental night for professional wrestling on Tuesday, on Friday, uh, as we're recording last night. But last Tuesday, gentlemen, we saw the head-to-head of WWE slash NXT taking on AEW Dynamite. Uh, man, guys, it really wasn't uh, on paper anyways. It wasn't really that big of a uh, competition, I guess you could say. But, Jimmy, we we, we saw WWD, NXT put up uh, 921,000 to AEW 609,000. Mm-hmm. Um, you think it's just a matter of at you, WWE's putting all their chips in one uh, in, in the pile? Well, you know, obviously they added to the show and they teased with the, you know, going into the show with the the gong that the Mm -hmm. Undertaker would show up, which he did, which was kind of awesome. But at the same time, you're having John Cena on the show. You're having Paul Heyman. You're having Oscar. You know, I get Mm -hmm. it. You get some, quote unquote, main roster superstars going down to NXT to attract an audience. And, you know, the first half hour was commercial free and AEW tried to counter with the same thing. First half hour commercial free and, you know. Promoting Edge, oh, sorry, he's not Edge, he's formerly known as Edge, Adam Copeland, his debut match for AEW, which was a big, which is a big deal, you know, and 
them changing nights and still getting a 609, in my opinion, is not a bad number. Um, and NXT doing a 921 is an awesome number. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's what followed afterwards that made me go, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. Uh, so I have to take up for Dynamite in a way that the normal time slot, normal day was not their normal week to week show. Okay, so now they're on another night, which also puts you at a disadvantage. But they did a lot of a lot of uh, what do you call it, advertising, I guess you would say, to to this show and put some big big matches together. And guys, uh, you know, RJ, you you, me, and Daniel, we predicted this was going to be a blowout, a blowout. And um, damn it, it was. It was a blowout. But mm-hmm. on the flip side of things that I discussed last week, I don't want to hear people say that WWE doesn't pay attention to AEW because they do, or they wouldn't have done what they did in this case. They loaded the show, brought the big guns, and it's because they wanted to kick their teeth in. That's what they did. And it's because they care. They're tired of hearing the noise. What they want to do, is they wanted to shut it up. And guess what? In a way... Even though it's not AEW's regular night, they did kick their teeth in. They did. And it's not a bad number that AEW did, but it's it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, WWE brought the noise and they uh, took some names and kicked some ass. Yeah. And, and the other thing I wanted to talk about, too, um, is I want to see where the, all this goes. You know, the head-to-head Tuesday night. I want to see where this goes because, obviously, this is good for wrestling in general, guys. Uh and I want to see where they go from here. Are they going to keep, you know, this momentum going both on both sides, AEW and WWE, um, NXT, what have you. Um, but something that I really found very interesting is. Hey, RJ, RJ. Yeah. Before you go to the next topic, I wanted to get Jimmy's opinion on this. This is something that me <laughs> and you and uh, Daniel touched on. I, I think Jimmy's point of view would be really cool to hear. <laughs> so with the purchasing of WWE with them leaving the USA network. What do you think? Because we came up with a hypothesis here. What do you think of the possibilities that they put them on a program and they move them to the competing Wednesday night and take them off of Monday altogether? Ooh, that's interesting. I I, I think, uh, I think that's a, a risky move only in the fact that you got to kind of re-educate your audience because they've, Yes, Monday night does have, uh, during the football season, Monday night football that you have to compete with. But wrestling fans who are fans of Monday Night Raw are so accustomed to it being Monday Night Raw. And I think uh, it's going to be a, a, a difficult transition if you want to transition to, let's say, a Wednesday night and try to recreate what was basically the Monday Night Wars on a Wednesday night. I don't think that's necessary. I think stay, stay the course. You guys are firmly implanted there on Monday nights. That's my opinion. I think, uh, you know, why, why try to create something, the competition when you're, they're trying to live up to your standards and you're not trying to live up to theirs. And by moving to Wednesday night, it looks, it, it makes WWE appear like they're afraid of them. And they should look like, Hey, we're the guys in charge here. See, I think though, though, Jimmy, uh, yes, I agree with you that, that people, are accustomed to Monday night wrestling. I agree with that. But my point being is that there is no competition on Wednesdays, hardly any time of any part of the year. And I think it does the opposite of what you say. I think it says that they're coming to your backyard and they want to fight. I don't think it makes them look weak. I think it makes them look strong. Like here come the big dogs. 
we're breaking down the barriers. You know what I mean? That that the the reason why we thought this is because there's an idea or some stuff that's come out in the in the dirt sheets that everybody must believe. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, but that 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 could possibly be a move. They didn't say Wednesday. We just came up with that last week as we were talking. Right. But it makes sense though, man. With no competition ever throughout the year, and I believe that the WWE is such a bigger machine that the people will go. Yeah, you you know that is definitely a possibility, and I I, I get your point of view, but I just think that you know sometimes you know getting people re-educating your audience is is not as easy as it seems. It's kind of like up here in Canada, we have hockey night in Canada on Saturday nights. You know, where everybody tunes in, they're they're accustomed to seven p.m. Saturday nights. Uh, if you're on you know in Ontario, you get a Leaf game. If you're in Quebec, you get the Montreal Canadiens. If you're in the West Coast, uh, you know you get uh, whatever team you're watching out there. You know, so uh, it it would be a difficult and timely transition. But uh, the one thing you are right about is there's such a big machine. If anybody can make it work, it is WWE. Yeah, just want to get your thoughts. That's all. RJ, I'm sorry. I just, I just thought it no, would you... be fun to, fun to hear Jimmy's point. Uh, but go ahead, RJ. I'm sorry to no, interrupt. Could, no, <laughs> but, I, but I even think if you to go off, no, but... They could even test the water, say, hey, we're, this week we're going to go Wednesday. Hey, in the back of my mind, I'm saying, hey, AEW can move nights. Why not, you know, WWE and go to, you know, go to Wednesday just for a week. And then, OK, we're going to go back. You know, obviously, there's a lot of sponsors and stuff that has to, you know, they have to go through. But still, mm -hmm. it's worth, you know, it's worth a shot anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But where I was going to go was if you guys uh, obviously everything you see on the internet's got to be true, but it really seemed to me this past week before and after uh, the head to head happened was Tony Khan's Twitter feed looked like it got hacked because he said some pretty uh, outrageous, interesting, what have you things we'll say um, just for point context to it this is just two of them that i i found was uh this was uh sent out on the 12th of october at 11 46 a.m uh this week two active decades long rating streaks from two great legends were ended with all due respect until this week's head-to-head -head aw on tbs versus wwe on usa neither john cena nor the undertaker had ever been on a wwe show with under 1 million total views plus under 400,000 in the demo. So that was one. And the second one was in reference to a gentleman saying the difference is that Vince, Vince McMahon, that is, has the power and influence to take them cheap shots. He's earned the right to make them. Tony Khan is Vince. Tony Khan is Vince if you order him from Timu whatever the heck may be. But anyways, Tony re responded to that and said, yes, Vince allegedly used his power and influences to shoot a lot of shots. So guys, <sighs> wh why? You're not seeing, you know, Triple H, you're not seeing Shawn Michaels, you're not seeing Vince going out online and, and, you know, really challenging the other side jim we saw this if you remember back when when wcw started to really take a dip you saw eric bischoff challenge vince mcmahon to a fight at one of their pay-per-views do you think this is obviously totally different this is just alleged this is my opinion 
do you think this is just a way of hearing him steering the pot or is he gone as the kids say gone loco no i don't you know i kind of i want to believe that it was hacked too but i don't think so and the difference like you said the one with eric bischoff eric bischoff was just trying to drum up some attention he was trying to get some eyes on him and the problem with what tony khan allegedly as you said tweeted on his twitter kind of there is a blue check mark so i i can't i i gotta think it was it was him who tweeted these things because it sounds like within his character very unprofessional let's put it that way first of all to take that kind of cheap shot and to say with all due respect no no disrespect intended and and you know taking the shots at john cena he basically saying aew is the reason why they didn't get a million viewers to see john cena and uh, Undertaker on on TV and trying to take credit for something that whether they were responsible for it or not, I don't know. It just it just felt off. And the other shot at Vince McMahon just, again, feels so unprofessional and perception is reality and it makes him seem petty. And I, that's what I don't like about these these tweets. If if they were, in fact, from him and I have no reason to believe they weren't, um, it just you know from things i've heard about him he does take things to heart and sometimes he just you need to be, bite the bullet and be more professional well what the fuck is he trying to do like what's <laughs> the whole point here that guy did six hundred nine thousand viewers what the fuck is that if you want to break it the fuck down one show which is smackdown beats all three of his fucking shows on a weekly basis when you add the totals. So what the fuck's he trying to do? What is he trying to prove? That AEW's the one that this, the reason why this didn't happen? No, oh, man, it was petty. It was childish and just stupid as shit. It's amazing. It's amazing how this shit works. Go ahead, Jimmy. No, no, no. It's just, like I said, it, it's so petty, but you're talking about what is the reasoning for it? Because it, it, it hits right to the audience that he is targeting, the diehard, hardcore, anti-WWE group. That's those guys are loving these tweets and they're the only ones. Everybody else who looks at it from a business standpoint, go, this is the guy who's the head of the company. He has to look more professional than this because it, at the end of the day, it's the wrestling business. And this is not good business in my opinion. Well, you know what? He wants the attention that we're giving him right now. So let's fucking stop talking about it. Cause it's just, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, let, let's talk about some good stuff too, because this past Friday, uh, we saw the premiere of SmackDown do a, a, a 2.41 million views and a 0.62 in the 18 to 49 demo. Uh, we saw the return of Roman Reigns. Uh, we saw a Jade Cargill and Charlotte Faceoff backstage. And we saw a friend of the show, Nick Aldis, be named the new GM of SmackDown. Um, Brian, I'll come to you first because, you know, we... We we chatted with all Nick, Mr. Aldis a while ago too, but um, to start there. But this, and we chatted about this briefly too. Is I don't think he would have been put in this position on camera if there wasn't an end game to it, if there wasn't a some sort of match in the future. I think. Well, all right. Well, first of all, go back and say what that SmackDown premiere number was. Uh, 2.41 million viewers and a 0.62 uh, rating in the demo. Okay, that's more than what AEW's all three shows will get all week anyway. Um, so, <laughs> uh, tweet that, Tony. Um, 
But uh, Nick Aldis, uh, let's get on to that. Happy times here. Uh, I'm so, so stacked and jacked for this. Uh, I love Nick to death, and he's so deserving. And I don't know what the end all is going to be on this, but I think if these, there's not some kind of in-ring something at some point, they're really missing the boat with this. Um, Jimmy, on your reference rant, um, I agree with you 1,100% that there should have been more introducing going on and more background for uh, Mr. Aldis before this was his face and, 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 and presence was felt. Uh, but you know what? I'm not going to complain because uh, I, and I don't think he would either. But but I do agree with you. And I hope they do the same thing with uh, Jade. Uh, give some backstory that she's just showing up and people are just supposed to be expected to know who she is. So I hope they're going to do some backlog on that as well. But no, I'm super stoked for, for Nick. He's going to do a wonderful job in that position. I don't think they could have picked anyone better. Anyone. Um, I'm, I'm super, super happy for him. He knows that I've tweeted him um, and I've texted him privately. So, I mean, it, it's awesome, awesome. And I'm glad to see it. Just excited, excited, excited. He makes me want to watch, you know, watch, watch, watch him be on there. So it's, it's good. Good stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And it's, I think it'd be a good, good addition to that brand too. Ahead, no, Jimmy, absolutely. No, 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 no worries. Uh, it's, I like, I like the addition of Nick Aldis too. He, he's just, he's almost got this William Regal vibe about him where he's, he comes off very authoritative and it's believable. You believe it when he, with what he does. And like I said, the only thing I, I wish, yes, we know who we are familiar with him. And of course the high, hardcore wrestling fans are familiar with him. It's that more casual fan that may not be, may have heard the name, not aware of him. Give them a little background into him. Give them a little history, you know, before introducing him or you, or at least just after do, a, do a big video presentation of, uh, uh, what we're getting with the, with this guy and his past accomplishments, because, you know, I think he's going to fit well into this role, whether it leads to a match down the road, who knows if even Adam Pierce versus uh, uh, Nick mm. Aldis, if Adam Pierce can lace him up one more time, uh, who knows, maybe there's a survivor series match in there, GM versus GM or something like that. Good stuff. And, and keep in mind, just a nugget of information. The Rod Rod SmackDown GMs two former 10 pounds of gold NWA heavyweight champions. Ah, special yeah. guest referee for that. Ric Flair. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> he can get it going. Yeah. He's got, he's got one more in him, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, just, I, I think we're starting to see the, the writers of SmackDown, the producers of SmackDown really put all their eggs in one basket. We've seen, the Jade and Charlotte face-off. And it's just superstar-esque already. And they didn't have to touch. They didn't have to do anything. Just the possibilities, the wheel start turning in a lot of fans, a lot of people's eyes, and minds and eyes. And just the opportunity is just endless, Jimmy. You got to see this. and just It made me smile because you know the business is in good hands. No, it is. And like you said, like I said about Nick Aldis, it'd be nice to have a little introduction so people know who he is. And, you know, hardcore wrestling fans obviously know who he is. And with Jade, the hardcore wrestling fan knows who she is, but she was brought in in a way that made her feel like a big deal. She seemed like someone important. And those who weren't really familiar with her are now, the way they did it makes them want to go, hey, 
maybe I should do some investigating and go check out who she is and stuff like that. And now you're finding out that, you know, her face-to-face -face after her face-to-face -face with uh, Charlotte Flair has got people talking and got people going, oh, this looks like this could be a money match, matchup. Mm -hmm. And then you, 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 you figure other names in there because in the solid women's division right now, which was featured heavily on Monday Night Raw, you, you know, you look, you got Rhea Ripley, you got Becky Lynch, you've got, there's so many women now on the roster. It's a deep roster for her to work with. And, and she looks, they, the way they're presenting her, she looks like a star. Mm -hmm. And like yeah. I said before, perception is reality. Well, we saw a lot of face-offs face that we haven't seen in a while. We saw Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns face off there on SmackDown too. And mm -hmm. that's like, it, it kind of, and that's exactly what the kind of thing that I think, like I said, looking at it at hindsight now, that's the type of things that you really need to prolong that. You know, yes, Cody can have feuds with the Usos. He can have feuds with everybody else in the brand. But then at the end of the day, they pull you back in and get you to think, okay, oh, well, crap. But is it going to be Roman and Cody at Mania? Or is it going to be somebody else? Is it going to be this? Uh, Brian, it, it, it's, it's storytelling that they desperately needed. Well, see, here's my problem with the uh, the, the uh, Jade and Charlotte face-off. Uh, the biggest thing is I want to kind of be a fan sometimes. You know, I know she is, but I want to act like I don't. And I want them to bring her into me and make her, make her more exciting instead of just that transition of a talent from one promotion to another. So I kind of just want to, if I don't, if I'm not explaining myself well, I'm sorry, but I'm excited about them building her to be something that, she wasn't at AEW and make her the bigger star and be excited about her. But just seeing her on TV and being introduced by Triple H and, oh, yeah, hey, Charlotte, this is Jade Cargill. I, yes, it was cool to me, but I wanted it to be cooler. I wanted it to be more exciting. And I think that's the lack that they're missing right there. I just think that they're, as Jimmy's saying, I guess without saying, is that there needs to be a buildup behind her to make this to where, People that don't know her, believe me, there's a lot that are in the WWE universe that don't know who she is. You can't just throw her on TV without something, some kind of, I don't know what the word is, but anyway, I don't know. I just, I just think that they can make this so much better and make more money off of it if they did it another way. But you know what? It's mm -hmm. WWE. Who in the hell am I? Who am I going to tell how to make money? <laughs> but I just know what I want to see. Put it that way. And mm -hmm. yes, storytelling needs to be told with the uh, Cody um, and Roman Reigns thing too. I, I, you know, it's 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 like it's kind of like like it's a missing page of a book, and you just like don't know where the page is, and you can't wait to find it so you can figure out what the fuck's going on. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. but anyway, obviously it's long term booking, right, Jimmy? You think right. with this? Yeah. Well, it seems like long term long term storytelling. is saying, you know, we had you know Cody teaming up with uh, Jey Uso. Until Jimmy came in and cost him the titles on Monday night and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's more story going. There's a lot of branches to this tree and a lot of seeds being planted. And I think the stare down between Cody and 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 Roman was to mm -hmm. let people know that this story is not over. We will get back to it. It's just a matter of when. Is it gonna be are they gonna, you know, let it play out all the way to WrestleMania 40? Is that when this you know, the end to Cody's story is told, you know, because right now Roman has been the longest reigning champion since, I don't know who, what, what did they say, since Bruno or whatever it was. But, Probably uh, Bruno, yeah. 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 So, you know, hey, you know, right now, the, 
you see the reaction that Cody's getting. There's money there, but LA Knight is coming on too. So, you know, hey, that, that's a good well, problem to have. Who do we put? Which one of our two guys that are getting amazing reactions do we put up against? <laughs> well, they better do yeah, definitely. They better do something quick or they're going to lose it all. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Well, we got a major pay per view coming up next month in Survivor Series in, mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago. So, Right. Maybe that's their answer that they'll start doing something there. They got Royal Rumbles coming up too. So I think the it's a good problem to have when you have a lot of depth on this roster. Um, mm-hmm. And even so, you have stuff coming from NXT, guys and gals coming from NXT too. So you don't know. The options right. are unlimited, I believe. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you guys this. So let's just say um, we go into the next biggest pay-per-view WWE has and they, and they get this Cody – Roman Reigns thing going. In your opinion, where does LA Knight go? Where would you who would you put him with? Right. You know? That's 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 the big question. It's kind of like the, the you know, um you, you got someone like a Shinsuke Nakamura who I, who I'm enjoying big big time as a heel right now. You know, he had he had his little rivalry with uh with Seth Rollins and that seems to be done and over with. So he faced uh Ricochet who's someone who uh, you know, we talk about getting over without going over. Ricochet has been getting over without going over, but eventually you have to get go over to, you know, to elevate to the next level. And that would have been a perfect opportunity for him. But, uh, you know, uh, but to further your point, if LA Knight is the next guy to challenge for Roman Reigns and doesn't win that title, where does he go from there? Because right. he's a hot commodity right now. So you got to be careful, not only how you book them well yeah pretty much how you book them let's put it well i i to go off of that jimmy i i really think and i i may be going on a limb here but the name kept as soon as brian brought that up came into my mind gunther that that was on mine as well that mm. was on mine because you can you can yeah. you got a good heel he can work with a good heel he can work with Mm-hmm. That's something you gotta have when you're LA Knight and you got a Cody Rhodes too. You gotta have somebody that can keep that fucking that 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 yeah. that baby face there. You know what I mean? You right. gotta keep mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um. So that's the only one I can think of right now. But mm-hmm. but the thing is though too, it's like okay, do you have? How do you do it? How do you write it? How do you book it that both guys get over? to a certain point because you have one of the longest reigning inner IC title cha- um, champions and Gunther. You have a amazingly over LA Knight. Is LA Knight the guy to take the strap off of Gunther and Gunther goes to, you know, against Seth or against Roman or against somebody else against Cody. Mm-hmm. Is that the, I think that, like we said, it's a good problem to have when you have a bunch of opportunities and a bunch of different options for these great talents. Well, I mean, no, they, yeah. Yeah, think about it. What they do in the nineties, the um, the attitude era. You know, I mean, you had everybody over shit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so you just kind of figure out a program, man. You got to work around it. But the the biggest thing right now is it's just not. It's basically four guys, two with the biggest heat and two with the biggest you know babies. If you elevate both of them that on both their programs, then where do you go there after that? Then there's another issue. Mm-hmm. But anyway, probably get too deep. Yeah. Yeah, I think the one thing that's not as prevalent right now, like it was in the Attitude Era. Yes, we got some guys who are hugely over, but that mid card back in the Attitude Era, people were very much invested in as well. And it just seems like the mid card is just there right now. 
and there's there's no like real build towards it. It's like, okay, let's plug in this person for now and this person for now. Yeah. yeah. Hey, RJ, uh, before we get sure. on to our, and I just want to thank everyone real quick on the uh, series that we did, three-part series of The Wrestlers on Netflix. I want to thank each and every one of those uh, guests that we had. Uh, what a what a hell of a Netflix uh, series that was. Uh, it was amazing. If you haven't watched it, please go back and watch it. It's a seven-part series. It's not just about wrestling. And if you're listening to this podcast just because of wrestling, okay, sorry. But it is about more than that. Uh, it's about more than that. It really is. It's about the struggles. It's about the real-life portion of our business. Um, and it, it introduces characters to you. And we were able and blessed to have three of those characters on our three-part series. So I, I want to really reach out and say thank you to all of them. And um, I, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was a great, great three weeks of uh, podcasting. Yeah, so we had uh, Cash Flow last week. We had Brian Dennison. And then we also had Mr. Pectacular, Jesse Goddard himself. So thank you to all, all those guys. Um, and let's do this, guys. Let's take a short break and give our thanks to our friends over at HelloFresh. And then we'll come back with Mr. Craig Jenkins in our second count. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part and you get to take the credit. A busy fall schedule doesn't always leave you with time to spare. And with HelloFresh, you don't need to spend all evening in the kitchen to whip up a wholesome meal. With their quick and easy recipes and 15-minute meals, you can get a tasty dinner on the table in less than it takes you to get takeout or delivery. A new season calls for new meals, and HelloFresh has a fresh fall lineup of delicious dinners and more to choose from. Take your pick from 40 weekly recipes that suit your lifestyle from veggie to family friendly to fit and wholesome. When you get HelloFresh, you know you're getting top-notch produce since it travels from the farm to your door in less than seven days. With me, we're going 60 different ways. My son's going here, my wife's going there, I'm going there. But with HelloFresh, you save the time of going to the grocery store, getting all the ingredients, and then taking the time at home to do it. HelloFresh saves you time and money. And you know what? Their meals are fantastic. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50REFIN and use the promo code 50REFIN for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. That's promo code 50REFIN. That's R-E-F-I-N. Go over to HelloFresh.com slash 50REFIN and use that promo code 50REFIN to get 50% off plus 15% off your next two months. Thanks to our great friends over at HelloFresh. This is your two count. Welcome back to the second count, and I would like to bring in a dear friend. He is the leader of the minivan. To a lot of people, he's known as Craig Jenkins, but he is otherwise known as my one of my second dads. His name is... And welcome to the show, Mr. Jinx, 
Greg Jenkins, how are you, buddy? Hey, man, you can kill all that goofy stuff, dude. I know the gimmick. I know exactly what you're doing here, Brian. You you bunch of jabronis. Uh, Y'all have run out of people to interview. And so all of a sudden, uh, we can get this dude, man. Maybe he's got a tail or two. So, yeah, uh, I wish I could say I was happy to be here, but you're uh, killing some beer drinking time, man. So let's get this on. Well, nice, nice, nice to talk to you too, Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, it's a pl pl pleasure to meet you, Mister Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, we had a lot of fun, baby. Heb. Yeah, man. Well, look, we're, we're, we're we we are covering you and all about you, and uh, we would like to just start off right hot. We want to we want to start hot. Mm -hmm. And there's this thing that we called on the road when we were all together. Well, first of all, no, no, no. Let me back up. Let me back up. Explain to our listeners that aren't aware of who Craig Jenkins is or who Jinx is. Explain to them in the wrestling world, not what your world is now, in the wrestling world, what you were, your title, what you did while you were at TNA, TNA headquarters. Well, I was brought in uh, actually by Jeff Jarrett. And I happened to be in town in Nashville uh, at my grandmother's funeral. And Jeff and I had been talking uh, a little bit because I've known Jeff from back in the day when he and Colonel Parker, Rob Fuller, Robert Fuller, were doing their deal in USWA and all that because I worked at the time for Ron uh, Robert's brother, Ron Fuller. And so I popped by their office. Jeff said, hey, man, come on in. Let's meet Dixie. And so I walked in and, you know, I'm just there killing time till it's, you know, time to go. Just saying hi to Jeff. And I went in, saw Dixie. Supposedly, you know, from what I heard, she loved me and said, let's get this guy. So I was living in Austin, Texas, came in, and I kind of took over all the live events. Uh, at that time, was bet pay-per-views as well as house shows. And so that's how I ended up at uh, TNA. Would you say that you compare yourself to, to, the, to the today's modern Raphael? Mm -hmm. I don't know who Raphael is, but if you say it, I'm I'm liable to buy into it. <laughs> now, here, here's my question: Have you always been? Has wrestling always been something you've been interested in, or did you just happen to, uh, for lack of a better term, stumble into it? I'm a product of Superstation WTBS in Atlanta uh, Saturday wrestling, and then I moved to Memphis. And then Saturday mornings, man, my, my, my father owned a restaurant and a bar in Memphis. And we didn't open until 11 or 12 or something on Saturdays. And my dad said, nah, we got to get these wrestling. So we had a, he had a bar there that for Memphis wrestling, I think it was at 10 o'clock every Saturday morning. Everybody, handsome Jimmy Valiant, Bill Dundee, you know, Jerry Lawler, handsome Jimmy. I mean, you know, it, it was just, it was the greatest. So 
I'm a product of being a fan, but I also go back. Oh man, I don't, I don't know if anybody's ready for this. Uh, I worked for Nick Goulas. Good God! Wow. Yeah, I worked for Nick Goulas. Uh, one of my favorite stories about Nick Goulas is I'd go over there and pick him up at the Pink Palace there in Nashville, his home, and we'd run do a spot show or something down around, uh, you know, Middle Tennessee. And then uh, in the you know, intermission, I'd get up there and hawk Goulas Welch Championship Wrestling T-shirts. God only knows how old they were. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we sold the crap out of uh, those T-shirts. And Nick Goulas would come to me at the end of the night. Now, granted, I used my own car, my own gas to get him and his son down there to the show, take them home, all that. Fortunately, I worked for a car rental company, so it didn't really matter. But uh, Nick Goulas would come to me and say, son, you did one hell of a job. I'm going to tell you this. You did one hell of a job. Now, had to pay the boys tonight, so I don't really have any money left over for you. But you be at the house next week, next Friday night at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock or 3 o'clock, whatever it was, and we're going to run down here, and I guarantee you we're going to make some money. I never got a dime from Nick Goulas, by the way. <laughs> so that's, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't have a family that was into it or anybody, anything like that, but I'm a product of, Saturday night wrestling on Superstation WTBS, and then uh, uh, then obviously Memphis wrestling. Then the territory days were done when Vince got into the mix. So Jinx, you, you, you know, taking this job, um, you probably were. I would say. I, I mean, knowing you, you probably weren't. But I would say you had to be a little starstruck with some of the people you got to work with. Like your Samoa Joes, your Ric Flairs, your Kurt Angles, and the list goes on and on and on. Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy. I mean, the, the list is huge of the of the stars that you had worked with. Did did that kind of play a role in your your with 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 your job at all? In other words, was was this something like you were just like, damn man, I've got the cool, coolest job in the world working with these guys and da 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 da. It was a component of it. But it wasn't that big of a role. And I'll explain to you why. And that's because I didn't have anything to do with talent. As you know, we had an agent on the road. It was either Terry Taylor, uh, the Reverend Al Snow, D'Lo Brown, Simon Diamond, uh, Road Dog, you know, and that was their prop, it was their not problem, but their responsibility to deal with talent. I handled all the money. I handled a business. I settled the box office every night and all that. But once you do that and you go and you gravitate into the pay-per-views, what I started seeing was the overwhelming, unbelievable amount of talent that worked around me. Uh, I mean, gosh, let's look at this. Mike Tanay. Don West, uh, Dave Sahadi. I mean, we're talking about Titan, Kevin Sullivan, uh, the internet dudes. We're talking about the Titans of their industry. And that's what really, 
because the most pressure I ever felt at TNA uh, wrestling was the pressure I put on myself in order to not let my co-workers down. In other words, you're not going to have me dropping the ball, dude. Steve Small and I were inseparable there for many years. And Steve Small is one of the greatest Americans ever. Uh, you know Steve. He's a production guy. Uh, and David Sahadi and I, I mean, uh, Keith Mitchell. Golly, man, these guys were like ABC, NBC Sports Olympic dudes, you know. And I'm no, like, Jinx, what am I doing here? Jinx, hold on one second. Let's back up one minute because I want you to reiterate what a Steve Small and a Keith Mitchell are. Like, because you have to remember, our listeners don't know who these people are, I don't think. Mm -hmm. So Steve Small would be comparative to you in a, in a way, but but my time at TNA, he didn't go on the road like you did. You were looping. Uh, but but he was kind of in your in your role, correct? Steve Small was responsible for 100% of the production, lighting, uh, sound, uh, getting the the truck there to say when we started doing pay-per-views outside of it, Orlando or in Orlando for that fact, but securing all the production. And I was responsible for all the business, the money, the who's settled in the box office. How much did we, you know, what's the deal? Um, so we worked hand in hand. So uh, like Keith Mitchell, Keith Mitchell and David Sahadi were in the truck. And you guys, you and Jimmy, I know, know how important it is when you're shooting a wrestling match, how important it is that, whoa, man, you can't show it from that angle. It's got to be this angle. Where's hard camera? What do the seats look like? I remember uh, when I first got there, uh, because you always got to kill seats for hard camera, uh, which is the side that the wrestlers kind of work to. Um, <clears throat> like, in other words, they're jumping on the ropes and they're going to throw their arms up and stuff. They're doing that to the camera, not to the, with their back to the camera. And you get that, you as referees get that more than anybody, you know. You work corners as referees, right? Opposite uh, corners, yes. Opposite hard yeah. camera. Right. You're working those two corners. And then you're going down and y'all know when the uh, false finishes are and, you know, stuff like that. But uh, so Steve Small, I was doing the ticketing for the first pay-per-view and laying out the seats. And I said, okay, I got to kill this section and this section because that's where hard cam is. And hard camera, uh, uh, hard cam is. And uh, he's like, wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. I went, what, whoa, 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 what's your deal, dude? And he goes, man, I just, you know, you got to do this. And I said, this ain't my first rodeo there, cowboy. I said, I've done TV my whole life because my background was in professional hockey. And so I did, you know, tons of stuff like that. And so he, we finally just laughed it off after that. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. We just kind of happened to be in the same uh, company, and we shared an office in Nashville because neither one of us were, were in town ever, more than a day, maybe two days. Yeah, because I always um, 
I go back as as the TNA days, the original TNA days. Uh, a lot of the times when both yourself uh, and uh, and Brian were there, uh, that the roster was just so damn deep. It was just so, and it was so good. You're seeing a lot of those talents across all the wrestling business right now, WWE, NXT, uh, Impact, what have you. What do you think, if anything, could have been done to really keep that stronghold of TNA, TNA, if that makes sense? You know what I mean? Just keep that roster together. Build the brand. I fought for that. They sold, in my opinion, they weren't promoters. They, like, you're like, okay, let me do, we were in the minivan of love one night. And we're driving down the interstate, and Brian's done thousands of miles in the minivan of love and uh we were talking things back up things back up i need you to explain to our listeners what is the minivan of love my man what is the minivan of love jinx Uh, (laughs) oh well (laughs) i can only go so far baby head uh no the minivan of love i was the first guy into town and the last guy to leave Every, every time. So, uh, I would fly in and at first it was me, Terry Taylor. Uh, well, the minivan of love became after that. Okay. So we'd get them. We I'd go to the airport, fly in on Thursday. Say we had a Friday, Saturday, Sunday loop. I'd fly in on Thursday. And go to the rental car thing, pick up my car at National Car Rental, and get a minivan. And it was Earl Hebner, me, the agent, and uh, Jimmy J, Jason James, who was our merch guy at the time before Don West joined us out there. And... uh, You know, we just cruised down the road, man. You know, had plenty of leg room and all that and the old five gallon bucket sitting right back here in the back. And uh yeah. <laughs> what was what was in the what wait, what was in the five gallon bucket? A lot of snow and a cold, couple of cold beers. But our <laughs> driver never drank. I made sure of that because when Jimmy J came on board with us, he was only like 17, 18 years old. I said, nah, nah, you ain't doing this, kiddo. You ain't <laughs> doing this, you know, but you're behind the wheel. And the kid stayed up all damn night, you know. It's like, my God, man. So uh, just the stories that come. So there was a lot of stories. It was me. It was Jimmy J, Jason James, the agent, whoever that would have been. Uh, At the end, what made it the minivan of love was uh, Jimmy J, the agent, me and Don West in the middle in the six passenger minivan of love. And then you and your dad in the very back and we're cranking out darts, man. You know, we're, (laughs) (laughs) but we were laughing. I mean, it's probably the absolute most fun I've ever had uh, at a job because 
we all just truly got along so well. Jimmy knows what it's like being in the car with a dude all the time, you know? Oh, yeah, I do. I, I, our, we had, I wouldn't refer to it as the car of love, but, you know, my regular riding partners <laughs> was usually uh, Tony Chimmel, Larry Heck, the trainer. And yep. the fourth spot in the car usually got rotated between, uh, sometimes it was Mike Kyoto before he moved over to, and it was, uh, Brian was there uh, several times, and Dylan Hornswoggle. Oh yeah! Oh you my know, goodness! Uh, you know Larry Heck used to work for me as when I was president of a hockey team in San Antonio, Texas. Oh really? See, the, see, yeah. small world. That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. I love Larry Heck. Yeah, we see. Here's 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 the problem with some of the guys you got riding in the car with you. We got a flat. I was the driver. I was the sober guy who just Pepsi and cigarettes kept me driving all night. Yeah, you know, and uh, we got a flat tire one night. So we had to pull over, pull all the bags out of the trunk and the whole bit. And Larry and I are going, why does it feel like you and I are the only ones doing any work around here? And we look over and Chimmel and Hornswoggle are over on the side of the highway trying to get trucks to honk their horn. As they <laughs> drive. And it's like 2.30 in the morning. We're going, guys, come on, let's get out of here. You know, anyways. Brian, that, that reminds me of uh, North Dakota uh, blowing past Kurt Angle, but not knowing it was him in the media. Oh God! Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, 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 I have a story about the minivan of love. Uh, nothing, nothing crazy, but this is just Jinx. Okay, Jinx had the wheel, which never happens. Never. No. No. It was. I don't even know what the fuck happened. I don't know why the fuck you were driving. Uh, maybe we were all hung the fuck over, and you were the only one sober. That that's impossible. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. So. We're riding down the road and we're going down, and this might have been in Wenatchee. Um, if you'll remember once I get going on the story, but no, wait a second. You're talking about going to the building. Yes. That was Wenatchee, Washington. Okay. Leaving and, Seattle. Okay, in Seattle. And he's driving and it's got like this misty stuff coming down, like little ice on the road, but not ice, just just slushy stuff. And he's flying by everybody. And we're all looking at each other. We didn't say a word to Craig because Jinx would just just straight up just say, shut the fuck up. And so we didn't want to hear that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, so we're just letting him do his thing. And all of a sudden he goes, all right, boys, looks like we're getting ready to go with the blue. And I said, the blue? What the hell are you talking about? We're getting pulled over. Yeah. Now, we get pulled over. And I'm not lying, Jinx. If I'm lying, you tell me. There's a sign that says trucks 45, regular traffic 55. Yeah. Am I right? Yep. Going through Snoqualmie up there in the uh, Pacific North Northwest. Well, he gets pulled for speeding and he tells the cop straight up that he was only going faster because he only thought that the speed limit was for the trucks only, which is 45. Like, he didn't even see the top sign that said 55 for regular cars. Give no. me. What, 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 what did I mess up? No, you, you're exactly right. And I appealed it, too, and, uh, <laughs> via the mail. And the, they sent me back a letter and said, hey, man, good try, man. You're out of here. You know, <laughs> like, you know, move along, move along. That was the only time we ever got pulled over. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. Now, another thing I want to say. So we have to mention this. So you, you have Jimmy J that runs, that ran basically the the the, the merch area. Yep. yep. You have Don West, who's the pitch man and runs the overall part of the merch. Right. You have D'Lo Brown, who is the lead agent for all the shows. You have Craig Jenkins, who settles, closes, opens the whole fucking deal, the money man, the whole deal. Right. You have Earl and Brian Hebner, who are in the back seat, that are the only referees and the best referees in the world. If that minivan of love were to go off the side of that that little mountain we were going down, what happens to that show, you think? Uh, knowing TNA, they would have flew out some people on an emergency thing and said, get out there and somebody figure out where at, well, how to bury them. You know, <laughs> let their wives wow. know. Wow. So the, importance the show of, had to go on. The, the, the importance of that van was pretty, pretty extraordinary, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was where we, uh, I remember Dean Broadhead, uh, who was the big CFO dude. I came in the office for some unknown reason one time, and he goes, Jinx, keep doing what y'all are doing. He goes, you're funding this company because I know the amount of money I was putting in the bank <clears throat> um, and what kind of numbers we were doing in merchandise. We were the top, we were the top in the top 1% of all touring acts in North America at the time for per cap merchandise sales. That's amazing. Wow, that is great. It's, how many damn right I did t-shirts did we sell? How many didn't we sell? Yeah, I know it. Selling I mean, those t-shirts and you and your dad autographing them at intermission and because we had the show laid out so well, man. It was because remember the girls' match was just before intermission. Earl did the spot with that one uh, uh I forgot her name. Madison uh, Rain. Madison Rain, yep. Mm -hmm. And he did the spot with her where he bends down and kisses her. She goes and throws up or whatever, and uh <laughs> boom. And then JB, Jeremy Borash, would say, ladies and gentlemen, you can see Earl and Brian Hebner at the merchandise stand. They'll autograph T-shirts all night long. Let's turn it over to the Dollar General, Don West, right now. <laughs> it was great. No, he had no. so much fun. Don had, I know. The, Don had the best line. Oh, sorry, Jimmy, this is kind no, of no. related. No, no, go, go, go. Don had the best fun. line. He would go, ladies and gentlemen, do not forget to go over and get an autograph. Of the damn right I did t-shirt with the greatest referee of all time, Brian Hebner and his dad too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that goodness. Is so true. We could tell we could do one show on <clears throat> just uh memories of Don West. Wow. So yeah, uh, speaking of Don West, then he's definitely a good good choice to go into the TNA or, or the impact hall of fame for, in your opinion, for sure. Right. He's the only choice he should have been. I mean, it should have not have been after his death. Well, I guess I could see that, but Don West was one of the finest men. And if you wanted to talk baseball, you better suit up. And because you could say to D dub, 
Hey, D-Dub, Detroit Tigers, 1951 uh, infield. And he'd read off all the positions or say them, and he'd go, don't believe me, look it up. Wow. And he was spot on. Yep, yep, that's he was true. unbelievable. Don West is yeah. one of the finest, greatest, most unbelievable people. Brian and I were very close to Don West. Very. And I'm honored to say that. Mike today as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sadly, sadly, um, I was uh, on a weekly call at least before his death. And uh, it was uh, it was a very, very rough ride for me as a human being who has not seen a lot of death to hear a man that um, I acknowledged and thought so highly of just here week after week, go downhill, downhill. It was a really rough time for me, but it, it, it's part of life. Um, it just sucks that it has to happen to some of the nicest people in the world. But uh, the Dom West, Mike today going into the impact hall of fame is so fucking deserving. It's not even fucking funny. I talked to the professor last night, man. We had a couple of laughs and uh, all that. So anyway, that's another show. Hmm. Tremendous. I, I do have a question. Go ahead. No, I just uh, from from a business a aspect because you know, like you said, you you were the first one there, the last one to leave, settling up with the buildings and so that sort of thing. And you've worked in other sports entities as well. Uh, I'm just curious: is wrestling perceived by some of these venues in a different light than other sports entities, so to speak? Do do the people running these buildings treat wrestling any differently than any other, let's say? hockey team you said you you know you, with the san antonio guys that you work with or do they look at them yeah. differently are they treated differently the rest well of them? usually the hockey team is the anchor tenant which means we're going to procure the most dates in an arena mm -hmm. and so what well, when you could get a wrestling show in that was huge for a building manager it was huge man and uh so uh they looked at us very 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 failure uh, favorably because you didn't have the cost associated with a concert. Now, we basically need some chairs set up, and uh, we'll throw the ring up. Boom, shakalaka, we're done. You know, throw me some pipe and drape out there and create an entrance. And, you know, we our production guys were so dead blame good that, you know, it was, it was just fantastic, man. I mean... Every show, everybody knew what their role was, uh, except for that cat in uh, North Dakota that was walking up there, not tied in on some rigging above the above the arena floor. And that kid, uh, I don't know that he'll ever get over the uh, chewing out I gave him. I'm just going to keep it kind of clean there. <laughs> All right, I so shut the whole thing we, down. No. Well, guys, why don't we take a short break? We'll come back with Mr. Craig Jenkins in our third count. This is your three count. And we're back with our third count on this great episode so far. We're thrilled to have in Mr. Craig Jenkins. Brian, man, the... Behind the scenes that we've been hearing from with yourself and uh, Mr. Jenkins, it's just unbelievable. 
Um, the, the, the thing is, to me, what's most amazing, and that I want to just touch on real quick, and I know it's going to be down everybody's throat, but it, another story that I would like to say about the minivan of love is that, you know, they're, they're, the memories that were there for so many of us, and I, I just have to say, the ones that were affected, you have to talk about there were six people in the car. We already touched on that. It's just that, you know, Jinx, you, you, you have to tell a story of your own about the minivan of love. Is there one in particular that you're looking for? Oh, I, I, I if it's not me, someone else, maybe, but. Uh, uh, you know, okay, you know what? Hold on, hold on. You better recognize who the hell. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Is there somebody else joining this deal? You damn right. This is the uh, one of the wrestling legends, the greatest European champ of all time, and a man who is in love with Craig Jenkins. This is D'Lo Brown. What's going on, gentlemen? How y'all doing? All right. Wait a second. I'm calling BS on this because y'all have got some kind of AI in here because D'Lo no, Brown doesn't no. do anything <laughs> like this. You know, I, look, I heard that Craig Jenkins was going to be on wrapping it up. And I said, well, there's no way there could be a show with Craig Jenkins and I'm not part of it. So I got a minivan of love story that I'm ready to put out to the world. Tremendous. D'Lo, welcome to Reffing It Up. And I am looking forward to not only hearing that story, but saying, hello, my old friend. (laughs) Clark Darris, my man, how are you doing? It has been a long time. I miss you. And right now I'm giving you a giant hug. Through the art of, of virtual reality, I'm hugging you right now. Yeah, it's, it's AI, a dude. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so here, I'm gonna tell you this. Go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I would love to tell you that I love you because you know I do, and I just saw you last Thursday when we got our yes, fucking by the fucking Chicago Bears. They uh, suck, by the way. Well, they didn't. They didn't when they played us. Uh, so okay. And um, the whole debacle with losing my phone and my man's my man. <laughs> oh yes. god! And this isn't the first time it's happened. Keep that in mind, folks. This is the second it, time this has happened. That it I was know. So impressive. It was impressive. But anyway, <laughs> I love you, dog. Welcome to the show. You know, I love you. Thank you for having me on. I got to tell you now. When you talk about the minivan love, you're talking six individuals from all over the country, from all walks of life. But when we got in that minivan, we had one goal, one purpose, and one family. And it was the greatest time. And there were three constants. And I, I, I've said this before. There are three constants in the minivan of love, Brian. If you got to pee, you snatch this rig over. Family is most important. And there was always going to be Sunday dinner. And everyone was invited. Those are the three constants of the minivan alone. <laughs> oh, man. You know what, D'Lo? You were an employee of the company at that time, right, man? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so you'd get the emails on the holiday weekend from Dixie. Yes. And she'd we send there. out an email to everybody, and she'd say, Oh, I know it's uh, 4th of July or Labor Day or whatever. And you guys have worked so hard. 
And so we're going to shut the office down on Friday so everybody gets yep. a four-day weekend. Yeah. And at the time you would get those emails, there was, I don't know, half dozen or so, maybe more of us that were sitting in a freaking uh, uh, airport gate. Yep. Yep. And we're going to bust it because we got a four-show loop or a three-show yep. loop. And I would go, so everybody gets tomorrow off. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets the next three days after that off. Mm -hmm. What about the crew on the road? And we're, we're, and we're she was oblivious. She was we, we, oblivious. We were to, in Saskatoon. Yeah. Like she was going someplace to a ranch in Texas or something on a private plane. And we're all grinding it out, going to Wallingford, Connecticut, someplace in Delaware. And you're like, we're, we're, God almighty, man. She just doesn't get it. We're staring at we're staring at four days and twenty five hundred miles in a car, yeah, and four and four shows, and everyone else is get, everyone's getting the four day leap, uh, weekend off, yeah, and they ain't left town since Hitler was a corporal. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! So yeah. Oh my god, boy, this has really gotten good. No, <laughs> that's, a, that's why I'm just laying back and listening, bro. I'm enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> so, Dilo, I want you to yeah. talk about this about Jinx because this show is about Jinx. No, but, but there was a word <laughs> that was used that no one could use it at its finest. It's a three-letter word, and it's called the override button. Oh. Is there anything that you could touch on when it comes to the override button? Well, I, I don't know if I <laughs> want to go too inside baseball here because you know there's a little there's a little too much going on there for for the for the general population to know. The override what? button still exists today. <laughs> <laughs> I use it every day. I use that every day. It's like I would go at 3.30, quarter to 4, 4 o'clock in the morning, and the little dude behind the hotel counter thing is like, well, sir, I'm so sorry. The computer <laughs> won't let me do that. And I said, hit the override button, bitch. Because <laughs> who runs the computer, you or do you, do you, do, does the computer run you? I said, I said I wanted a king single with a walk-in shower. <laughs> now, if we're not getting that, then I'm hitting the override button. Like, oh, God, dog, man, are you kidding me? Oh, man. Yeah, the override button, because I use that in settlements and everything else. Well, speaking of settlements, let, let me tell this story. And I, I forget what building it is, but let's just say for people out there, there are two important people when it comes to a show. There's the building manager 
and, and there's Craig, who's the tour manager. He handles the things for the, the company coming into the building. Now, these building managers have settled buildings with everything from Ringling Brothers to Britney Spears. Okay, they've set up box offices with every major act in the world. So I would always love to go see Craig work. And this man is Houdini. And I remember one time, I forget where it was. Let's just pick a city. Let's call it Springfield, Missouri. Just for, for giggles. Yeah. And I remember Craig, sit, we sit down and the guy comes in. He's got this little smile on his face. And he opens his books and he goes, all right, boys, uh, I've done our numbers. It looks like you owe us uh, $2,000. When can we expect that check? And Craig goes, well, <coughs> let me look at these numbers. And my goodness, to all things that are holy, within 10 minutes, that man was so twisted because you can't tax an intangible and you can't tax a tax that within 20 minutes, that man was like, let me go down to accounting and write you that $10,000 check right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, why are you the money, dude? I, I just want you out of my office. And I'm looking at him and Craig just give me those eyes like, just shut up. We'll talk about it in a minivan. And with <laughs> like in 20 minutes, we went from owing two thousand dollars to getting fired <laughs> ten grand and doing one of the most successful nights that building had ever seen. And all because Craig looked at his numbers like, well, look, here's your problem right here. This is tangible right here, it can't be touched. We can't text it intangible. Let me tell you this. There has been there have been they 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 ride in Boston and threw tea in the harbor over this, and you can't tax a tax. And this thing <laughs> He just went out of that room so badly. He would have gone so much. He would have written a check for a million dollars to get Craig out of that office. And yeah. that's not that's not a one-time thing. I watched him do that 300 times over 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 three years. Oh, you can't tax the tax, dude. You can't they tax do, the tax. They do tea in the Boston Harbor over that. <laughs> the, what the most savvy closer when it comes to to, to, to closing out a box office I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen some of the best, and Craig is the absolute best at it. That we You could run a show with no people in it, and the building be writing us a check at the end. Yeah, <laughs> and then, hey, D'Lo, remember when we would go on the road and our ticket sales weren't exactly great? Yes. And, you know, you're going, okay, man, all right, cool. And I'd call the building manager. I'd go, hey, man, you know, it would really help us a lot if we could just get out of here, forget this, let's move on. And then I'd say, you want to do a merch buyout? <laughs> and I'd say, he'd go, yeah, I'll do that, man. We can all get out of here earlier. Because mm -hmm. you usually had to split your merchandise with the building. Yep. And... uh I'd say, I don't know. What are you thinking, man? We're gonna be, we're gonna be lucky to, you know, do this. I said, how about a dollar ahead on the pain? He go, yeah, that's cool with me, man. And I did that, and these guys were like, yeah, that's cool. And here we are doing thirty-five, forty-five dollars ahead, counting yep. meet and greets and guitars and all, you know, everything that Don West had going. And, and that, that I remember the, I tried yes. that. I tried that uh, again on a buddy of mine that was in Wenatchee, Mark Miller. 
And this is when Don West was in full, full roll. And I said, mm-hmm. hey, man, you just want to do a merch buyout, dollar a head? He goes, is that same guy doing the merchandise that you had here before? <laughs> and I go, yeah. And he goes, not a chance. We're getting our full <laughs> yeah. cut. He goes, yeah. that guy points a gun at people and says, if you don't buy this. Remember in Corbin, Kentucky, Don West said, ladies and gentlemen, if you buy this, it's illegal in the state of Kentucky. <laughs> so I do not, please, do not tell them where you got this. And I'm walking past him. He goes, this is illegal in the state of, of Kentucky. Because he would, Don West would tell people, folks, we got programs. We got brown bags. We got T-shirts. We've got guitars, everything you want. He goes, but if you get pulled over, don't tell them you got it from me. Because this is this is illegal. And I mean, we would do a huge number that night. And people selling the demo guitar from Jeff Jarrett. God yep. almighty. Oh, my God, man. I still have people laugh at that to this day. All right. Don, Don, West, Don West. Don West could sell ice to an Eskimo in the middle of winter, and the guy would think he got a deal. No <laughs> doubt. He, he would no think doubt. he got a deal. Yeah. He Absolutely. was the greatest. I, 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 as, <clears throat> as, as great as you were at your job, Jinx, Don West was, was I, I can't even put into words how good he was at selling yeah. merchandise. I can't even, yeah. I can't even quantify it. Even mm-hmm. even better than Pumpkinhead? Better than Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Don West, Don West literally, he could sell you something you already bought and you would be happy you had two of them. What's that? What's yeah. that uh what's that thing, D and Jinx, that they used to say that looked like we used to do? Like we'd let a fan in the building, we'd put a chlorophane or something or whatever it's called, and, and take their wallet and then give it back to them empty. <laughs> Remember? Yeah, it's not what it costs you to get in the building, and what's it what it what it costs you to leave. <laughs> I mean, a, a physical idea of what Don West would do to you: you'd walk up to his table, he would reach over, grab you by the ankles, turn you upside down, shake every dime out of your pocket, put you back down, and you would walk away with a smile and a brown bag yeah. special. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And D'Lo, remember this: you got to buy two programs. <laughs> One for you that you're going to keep. The other one you're going to sell on eBay tonight when you get home. Yes, because you go, (laughs) yes. Yes. Yeah. He could make make a drowning man want water. That's how good he was. He was the best. I love you, D-Dub. I love D-Dub. My heart heart is, 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 there's a place in my heart that I'll always hear D-Dub's voice. Always. Yeah. Raspy Marlboro Light 100s. Yep, and and uh, so, and vodka and, Be- and Belvedere vodka. Belvedere vodka with just a splash of cranberry. Uh, just a splash. Not nope. Just a splash. Not so, even take, take take a straw and dip it in cranberry. Yeah, that's bring it. Bring that straw over to the vodka and watch the plume. 
turn purple and disappear. That was enough cranberry for him. That's it. That's, That's it. it. So that you know, made me think about something here. I would like to probably do uh, soon, probably after the Impact Hall of Fame, which we know that Mike today and Don West are going in. Thank but I would God. like to do a memorial show for, for Don West here on Reffing It Up. And obviously I would have uh, quite a few guests, including yourselves, so we could maybe do some stuff on. Um, but we do have to pay bills. And Craig... <laughs> I hate calling you Craig, but I'm just doing it because it's professional. But anyway, Jinx, whatever, whatever the fuck professional is. Um, you do have some fan questions. And RJ, would you like to start with a fan question? And D'Lo, yeah. I'm sorry, but if you want to hang in here, hang in here. If you don't want to hang in here, you don't have to. We're going to get to some fan questions from Jinx. Believe it or not, he's got some fans. Well, I no want to listen because I'm just driving, so I'll listen. Okay. All right. All right. Take so. Our uh, first question comes from Luke Rogers. He asks, how would you sum up, sum up working for Dixie Carter and Jeff Jarrett? Uh, and part to that, who was actually your immediate boss? Andy Barton was my immediate boss. Andy Barton's a good dude, man. Andy Barton gets it. Uh, Dixie Carter. Oh, should I uh, mute my, uh, my mic right now? I would say toward the end, completely out of touch. Uh, when we brought in Bischoff and Hogan, it seemed to me like the end because they took away the six-sided ring and I went, why? People used to come to shows to buy ringside tickets and get their picture made selfie next to the six-sided ring. And I was like, what happened here? And in fact, in the minivan of love, we discussed that I know at length, I mean, with no verification, D'Lo, we, we discussed, and Brian, we, are they really hired by Vince to come in here or what's going on? And uh, then I found out that Dixie's executive assistant, one of her responsibilities was making sure that she never wore the same thing twice on TV. And I went, we got bigger, 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 much bigger issues. Uh, build the brand, man. And so uh, they called me in the office one day in fact, I was in the office. I don't know why I was there. <clears throat> and I said, they said, hey, man, uh, want to meet with you uh, here in about an hour and discuss some things. And I said, okay. And uh, they said, hey, man, we want to bring you off the road and make you the executive vice president over touring and live events. 
And I went, where did this come from? <laughs> and uh, I remember I went to Andy Barton's office, who I respect unbelievably. I love Andy Barton. And uh, I was like, what's up with this, A.B.? And he goes, well, he goes, we want you to be over everything, touring live events, but come off the road. And I said, hey, man, I got a deal for you. And I was very respectful because I do really like Andy Barton. And I said, why don't we do this? I take a cut and pay. I never come in this office ever again, and I'll uh, uh, stay on the road the entire time. Because at the time, I had bought a houseboat in Nashville, and my wife lived in Austin, Texas. And I said, I'm ready to go home. And D'Lo and Brian can tell you how the road messes with you. Jimmy probably too. Um, you know, you're just on the road, man. And I said, I, I, I knew at that time that this is not going to go well. And I just said, I need to get out of here. And uh, I got fired because of Sharpie heat and uh, an expense report. And uh, like you would go, like say your flight got canceled and they would say, you got one extra day of parking. I said, hell yeah, because I'm sitting in some godforsaken <clears throat> place and I can't get out. And I had to stay the night. I'd rather be home. And they go, well, you got to pay for your own parking. I went, ah, that ain't happening. You're talking to the dude that controls the money on the road. And I said, that ain't happening. I said, you can, you know, you can pull that crap with somebody else, but you're not doing it with me. Because I'd never been in a situation like that where uh, Brian and D'Lo will tell you guys this. Um, we used to sign a boatload of autographs every night. That's how we made money. <clears throat> and I got an email from World Headquarters in Dallas at Panda. <clears throat> and they said, can you explain why you're buying so many Sharpies? This is ridiculous. And I lost my mind. And for that, from that point forward, I said, we don't sign but about 4,000 autographs per show. And do you think that Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, or any of the other guys are going to say, hey, let me return your Sharpie to you? You know, that ain't happening. Because <clears throat> they didn't want to do it, you know, anyway. And so I just said, I got Sharpie heat, guys. You remember <laughs> Sharpie heat? <laughs> like, I got Sharpie heat. And we're bringing in boatloads of money uh, every freaking weekend. 
<clears throat> and I was like, I, this is stupid, man. And then there was the deal when uh, we would have a pay-per-view on the road. And obviously at buildings, you're not labeled, uh, not allowed to bring in um, alcohol from outside. So they had this dude that worked at the office that was responsible for going to the store and buying red wine and sneaking it into the suite so that they could drink all night. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I got this. Is Mickey, as Booker T would put it, Craig, Craig. This is some Mickey Mouse romper room bullshit, man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> that happened in Liverpool, by the way, in England. Oh, uh, yeah. So I don't, it's, I don't have, I have an enormous joy in my heart for the people I met and traveled with, but upper management outside of Dean Broadhead and Andy Barton. I don't have, I ain't going back. Let me just put it to you that like that. Well, I, I'll say to you, uh, you have kinder words for the two sir mentioned um, for me, as far as I go um, with contract negotiations and whatnot. And that's okay. Yep. That has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. Assholes. But anyway, um, what I will say is that uh, WB Master 2018 has a question and it says, What stadium, laugh out loud, uh, that's me saying it, and or arena did TNA want to run the most that almost happened, just didn't happen? Madison Square Garden, really. Wow. Yeah, Vince Vince had that locked down, you know, and um, we wanted, I think we wanted to do a show there. Uh, I can't think of one we couldn't get into, though, outside of that, um, because... Vince just had uh, MS, you know, Madison Square Garden locked down. We played at the Rosemont, or no, not the Rosemont, but uh, that ballroom there. D'Lo, I think, was the agent, or Pat Kenny was, uh, Simon Diamond, because he lives in Jersey. So I don't remember anything past that. Uh, except, you know, uh, Jimmy, Brian, y'all probably remember when Ed Cohen was in charge mm -hmm. uh, of that. And Ed Cohen, uh, wow. I mean, he would, he's going to, you know, he called all the shots. And uh, I knew Ed to a certain degree, but um I don't recall much that we couldn't get into because basically we just went where they sent us. Ed Cohen is the actual guy that came to me when my dad and my uncle got fired. Another jack off. Oh, Ed Cohen. 
Oh yeah, I was in. Uh, I'll never forget it. I was in Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, he told me that uh, why my dad, and my uncle were fired, and uh, told me that I was all safe and this and that and everything else. Yeah, another jack off. I don't keep- know that you can trust any of those people up there, though. I know we just keep talking about these higher up jack offs from each company. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's <laughs> everybody in this society is scared for their own job. Right. So they'll do and say, Jimmy, you know that. They'll do and say whatever you tell them to do and say. Yeah. And even then, sometimes that doesn't help. So, you know, it's it's just the nature of the business the way it was. I can't speak for it now. But yeah. back then, it, it was like, you know, uh, I hate to put it this way. At times, you felt like you were walking on pins and needles. Yep. And watching what you were saying and to who. But it, and then other times, it's, it felt like, well, it doesn't matter because it's almost like they find out anyways, whatever you say. <laughs> well, and the other thing, too, was when I came into my position, I was, and you guys know what I'm talking about here. Hey, man, he's office. Yeah. And you go, oh, man, you know, but I knew for a fact we were on that loop and those guys bumping every night. Uh I was making my money on their backs and I did everything in my power to take care of the boys. Because if you take care of the boys, the boys are going to take care of the business. Amen. Bingo. The, uh, our next question comes from Ben Smith. He asks, what was the most rewarding thing about your time in TNA? The people that I worked with and around, it was the greatest. It was a family out there on the road. Uh, And we were all like brothers. We would fight and debate with each other. But if you're from the outside, (laughs) bro, don't even go there, man. We're going to drop somebody on you that's a lot bigger and back. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't doing that here. You know? Uh, and then, like I say, the guys. And I will say this, too. The young ladies, the girls. Because I had a very strong passion about the ladies. Because I couldn't stand when I first got in. When a young lady would come back to the back and say, Hey, Jinx, this guy right here touched my breast. And I was like, ha, 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 nah, that ain't happening. You're gone, man. You know, because these guys, these young ladies aren't strippers. They're not prostitutes. They're entertainers. And don't you even think about doing that in my house. And that's why I think I had such a great relationship with the ladies that wrestled there because they knew I had their back. And the wives, for that fact. Mm-hmm. Beth Hardy told me one day, uh, Jeff Hardy's wife, she said, Jinx, she said, I have never in my life felt so welcome backstage at a wrestling company. She goes, we used to jump, you know how those big uh, black cases are, uh, where you know equipment cases are mm-hmm. in the back? And she goes, we used to hear Vince coming and we would jump behind those. 
and you know just to not get noticed or anything and she goes uh you know you you make it so welcome like for instance at pay-per-views if they had small children i would have a green room and i would say you need to change a diaper come back here you need to you get the kids out you know come back here brian hebner we did uh, his son's birthday party in uh, Virginia. And I was like, man, we can't do that, man. We, uh, AJ Styles, I love AJ Styles. And I said, AJ, bring your whole family, dude. They're all welcome. Wendy, I mean, everybody, man. And I just uh, tried to make it because his family had every reason to hate what dad does because he's gone all the time. And when Brian Hebner came into Virginia and we're doing a show and his son wants to bring his football baseball team back there, it's on <clears throat> whatever they need. We'll have a special room for them. We're going to take care of them because I want them leaving there thinking that, man, my dad has the coolest job ever in the world. And all the boys would know that. So all the boys would go, hey, uh, Beheb, uh, you got your son here tonight? Yeah, his little baseball. And, they, you know, you would t tell them what's going on. They go, oh, man, I'm on it. Let's go, man. Mm -hmm. They're just great people. Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Sting, you name it, man. Sting, I brought two guys to a show one night. They were little uh, – kind of orphan boys that I was considering adopting and uh, Sting uh, uh, face painted them one night and oh, Jeff wow. Hardy did the same thing and I was like okay man th these guys are really good guys and they are and they are Jinx you know and, and one thing I wanted to just say real quick and I, I, I don't want to go back into a long time length of this but like um, you know you did do what you did for Trevor, my son. And what's funny about the whole thing is they didn't know that they would get this opportunity. I was coaching them and I said, Hey, look, boys, here's the deal. I had already gotten the promise from you. I had already gotten the okay. And I said, We win this championship. We go to we go to the, the scope in Norfolk or Old yeah. Dominion. That and I go, and we're gonna have access, backstage passes, we're gonna have all this stuff to this show. But we got to win the championship. Guess what? They won that championship, and I swear to God in my life, I got video right now in my room, right across me where I'm at. They won it on a last-second tip ball that went to the end zone where a kid named Tanner Gates caught it, who's one of my son's good friends, caught that pass to win the game. They won the championship. The next week, where are they at? The Old Dominion, uh, whatever that building was called. The Scope in Norfolk. There you go. All right. They're at Scorpion Norfolk, and they're fucking – everybody's there. All their parents and everything else, and they have the greatest time. And it's because of Craig Jenkins, the Jinx man. And guess what? He hit the override button, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> That's my world, man. You know, D'Lo knows that too, man. All the boys knew that, man. I wanted them to know that, no, man, we're on the road every week, man. You – your kids and your wife and so forth need to be treated with the utmost respect, man, because we give them every reason in the world to hate 
daddy's job. And, you know, I, I have to touch on this real quick, real quick. And then, Jinx, I want to get you out of here, buddy. I know you're tired. No worries. The, 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 you know, I, I, I despised my dad for so many years because of never being there for me, never being mm -hmm. there. You know, and I, I, and I did. Um, I missed all birthdays, all the sometimes Thanksgiving, sometimes Christmas. So, I mean, you know, just and, and Jimmy is is and D'Lo. TNA never compares to WWE as far as missing things. And, you know, it sucks. It sucks. And my son has been so blessed to get that. You know, what I mean, he gets it and he understands it now. My daughter's not so much. And that's why I'm not doing this shit no more. And I don't mean to call it shit because I shit on it. I'm calling it shit because I'm blessed that the business gave me what I am able to do to say, I don't have to do the travel shit, not the business shit, the travel shit, to be yeah. gone. You know what I mean? So it, Yeah. It, it's, it's hard, uh, isn't it, D-Lo? It's, it's, it, and people don't get it to catch 22 because we do what we do to give our family a better life, but trying to give your family a better life, you sacrifice so much time with them that it almost offsets the better life that you give them. Yes. And time you, is the great yes. equalizer. And it doesn't matter how much, what kind of house you live in or what kind of school they go to or what kind of clothes they wear. When you're not home to see all that, none of that matters to them. Yeah, and and but we convince ourselves that what we're doing is to give them a better life. And look, I, 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 this is all I've done for thirty years, and there are, there you know there are times I regret it because I miss so many birthdays and holidays and and summer vacations and you know you'd give it all up to spend that one weekend in Disney with your kids that you couldn't. Do. Yeah. So it, it, Brian, catch twenty two. Brian, we knew every Saturday afternoon, man, we were getting an update on Trevor Hebner's mm -hmm. ball game. Yeah. And the, the phone would ring. Brian would go, hey, guys, this is booze. And like, okay, shut it down. What did te Trevor do today? Oh, man, he had two touchdowns. And you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah, it's dad's not there, dude. You know, and uh, uh, AJ Styles, I mean, he was the consummate family guy, man. I mean, but AJ's, you know, out there grinding it. Jimmy's out there grinding it, you know, and, you know, and I don't know. It's like RJ and I were talking a minute ago at Dinosaur Barbecue. We ate good and we had tons of fun, but. At the same time, man, there was a great deal of sacrifice because I remember coming home from the loop and I would get home from the loop. My mom, go, my wife, my mom, my wife would go, hey, uh, how about we go to dinner tonight at so-and-so? And I would go, why don't we eat something at home every meal? I've eaten for the last 10 days or a European tour, you know, a month has been, you know, out of a restaurant. How about I fire up the grill and, 
and then that's not fair for her either. So, you know, I got, yep. I get it. I get it. You know, I do get it. And, but sometimes it's just not fun, you know, when you get home, uh, because you know, you're, but the money's good. And, but you know, how many guys have we seen that have made all this money and then they come home and they go, who are you? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. Oh, 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 you're the dad. I'm sorry. Um, uh, can I have the keys? Yep, yep. You're right. Yeah. And you go, that's not good, man. I, I'm not I'm not being who I should be. So anyway, but uh uh it's uh I was blessed incredibly by the people that we looped with because to be on our loop. I kind of had a little say so. And I was like, man, don't put this dude back out on the road with me, man. <laughs> this guy ain't gonna God dog, man. What are what, this guy's impossible to deal with? And I, you know, talk to Andy Barton or something or Terry Taylor or whatever. And I go, man, don't book this guy. God dog, man. I can't deal with this dude, man. You ask him to do something, he wants to get paid. Right. You know, every time, you know, you're like, God, Lee, man, listen, this is, you know, we're building the brand here. But anyway, mm-hmm. it was a uh, all in all. I can mention a lot of names. Sting. I can't tell you how much I love Sting. Kurt Angle. I consider one of my great friends. Um, AJ Styles. I still talk to him all the time. Uh, Simon Diamond. I talk to him every Sunday. Because uh, it's college football season, and uh, I loved looping with Al Snow because nobody, Al Snow, gets it. Mm-hmm. Al Snow gets it, and it being the optimum word there. So now nah. <clears throat> it's uh, it's all good. And, uh, man, it just kind of really feels cool to relive some of this stuff, especially with you guys busting out D-Lo on me. <laughs> well, well, Craig, I'm, I'm going to stop. I, I can't call you Craig anymore. I'm done. Um, James, nah. <laughs> here's what I want to do, buddy. Um, I want to close shop up. I don't want to take all your time up. And um, I want to tell you right now that I'm not lying to you. This has been the first podcast that I've ever had to reach around my seat that I sit in and grab a fucking paper towel to wash my fucking eyes off because laughter. Um, <laughs> me, you, and D probably sit here and have the longest podcast ever. If anybody want to take a trip across the country, we yeah. can do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Or you want to go international, we can take you there, yeah. too. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we but, get but, you New York to London easy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> But what I, what I do want to tell you is this, and I'm not even going to throw this question. I should probably throw this softball to you so you can fucking fuck it up. Uh, um, do you want to put out any of your social medias? Oh, I don't care about that, man. I'm, <laughs> listen, you're the you're the. I've got like 3,000 followers on Twitter, and it all happened in the minivan of love because I just joined Twitter, and you were sitting there uh, in the minivan of love, and you said, 
hey, if you want to know what's going on with TNA, you need to follow this guy. And all of a sudden, my phone blew up for about the next nine hours, you know, <laughs> and uh, I'm just uh, – I'm a punk, man. I uh, try to run my company, run my business, and, uh, you know, do my deal now. I ain't looking for clicks or to go viral or nothing like that because I'm sure I'll get, you know – uh, whatever, but nah, at Jinxman, J-E-N-X-M-A-N. And, but quite honestly, don't follow me because I don't put out much stuff. One thing I've learned about uh, social media, <clears throat> idiots like me, nobody really cares what I had for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Nah, it's all good, brother. I love you guys, especially the loopers. Jimmy, uh, you've looped. Uh, Brian's a looper. Uh, er, uh, uh, D'Lo's a looper. And I'm appreciative for JR to be behind the switch and uh, going to carve this up and maybe make it into something that pe somebody wants to hear, at least seven people, you know, or something. So I have all the respect for you guys in the world, man, because the business is the business, and it's well, a business. Well, guess guess what I'm doing, Jinx? Bring it. I'm trying to build a brand. <clears throat> you got to build a brand, dude. That's why Ro uh, Jeff Jarrett told uh, Road Dog, uh, said, hey, man, build your own brand. Because I was talking to Road Dog one day, and uh, I think this is after I don't know where Road Dog's doing right now. And I love Road Dog. I've seen Road Dog at his worst and at his best. In fact, they were working a show here in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I live. And Road Dog called me and said, Hey, you coming down? I said, Nah. You know, and he says, Come on down, man. So I went down to the show. It's a WWE show. And I went down and popped in the back door, you know, and all that. And Road Dog told me, he said, hey, man, uh, he goes, I haven't had a cigarette. I haven't had any pills or nothing like that. And I'm like, I'm so incredibly proud of you, brother. Uh, I said, I love you for that. And he goes, you want to stay for the show? And I said, you ain't going to do anything in here tonight. I ain't already seen that. <laughs> he goes, no. And he goes, nah. I said, I'm going to hit the back door, man. I had, uh, back in catering with, uh, D'Lo, I mean, not D'Lo, but, uh, Bubba and, uh, uh, Devon and saw Booker and Rudy Charles and, you know, those guys, but nah, I mean, I appreciate you guys. Uh, just it's great going down this trail, man. It really, really is because I've uh, got a lot of stories to tell, and I don't think we touched on half of them or quarter of them tonight. So anyway, well, I appreciate can tell you the just, invite, baby. Help. Well, really quickly, I'd love to say thank you to because listening to those stories and just amazing. You know, and this is, you know, Brian said he was blessed to be a part of this business for a long time. So was I. 
I I got to live some stories, but getting to hear other stories like yours, Craig, are awesome. They just, <laughs> uh, I almost had to wipe my uh, tears from my eyes of laughter a few times myself. <laughs> it was just, you know, we don't think about it is, it's just looping, man. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever looped, you know what it's like to loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's even in the territory days they looped, you know, and they did what Memphis, Nashville, Louisville, and back. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, Delo can go to the point where you did TV and you got never got paid to do TV. Yep. yep. And uh, y'all know about blue checks, and uh, <laughs> I remember the boys telling me, "Man, I just take my blue check and give it to my wife and say, go buy something you want.'" Um, and uh, so, I'm just glad the business has been great to you guys, and uh, again, very honored. And uh, RJ, thanks for what it is you do, brother. Thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. All right, man. I'm going to jet out of here, B. I love you, buddy. Thank you so much. Love you, love too, you, dude. Love, love you, you too, D-Lo. Thank you so very much. Such a uh, great time taking a trip down memory lane there, Brian. I know, you know, TNA holds a special place in your heart and your career. Um, but just in general, just such a such a great episode. It was, man. I mean, uh and TNA does hold a special part of my life. It really does. Um, and just having Craig Jenkins, gosh, this is the last time I'll say it again. Yeah. Craig Jenkins, uh, his name is Jinx. Um, anyway, um, just a great guy. Just a just the override button, the master of all trades. I mean, like seriously, the road killer. Like he could navigate like no one else and it was just awesome to hear and just awesome to see it was so crazy because i went through emotions where you know i was uh uh so happy and crying full of happiness and then also went through a little you know we went through some don west stuff where you know i became very sad very very crazy episode for me personally but i hope you guys have fun too and uh i'm, I'm sure this will be a lesson for everybody no it was a lot of fun and uh uh, just just sitting back almost I laid out so much just listening to those stories they were so fascinating and listening to them and yes a lot of people have stories in this industry but to hear it coming from that side and and seeing what a great guy uh Craig Jenkins is or Jinx as you call him I don't think yeah. I know I know him well enough to call him that but uh I will because he's not on right now Jinx great stories and the nice surprise with D'Lo popping in you know, I haven't seen or heard from him in a long while. And that was awesome. Just loved listening to everything. And you talked about having tears, uh, tears of joy a, a lot from laughing at a lot of those stories. It was just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So, gentlemen, you know, Jimmy, you're back at it. The ref and rants are flying out and everybody should definitely take a take a look at that. Take, watch it each and every day. Uh, what are ways that people can can do that and keep an eye and follow you? Well, on, on, on all my social media platforms, obviously at Jimmy Corderas on Twitter, at real Jimmy Corderas on Instagram. And, uh, you know, and I just, like I said, I do my ref and rants. I, it's a minute long from Monday to when Friday. It's uh, a little critique, not to tear down, but to tighten screws that I think need tightening. That's all it is. It's not to, to be that antagonist guy. And also you can catch me on here with you guys uh, every week. 
and uh, and on Wrestling Inc. podcast, uh, doing a post Raw and post uh, AEW Dynamite on Wednesday nights. Uh, having a lot of fun with that with my good buddy Justin Labar. You damn right, Jimmy. You're never going to keep up us again. You're back. You better never leave. <laughs> never again. Never. Never. Uh, I I can't promise, but I planning. I'm not planning on it. <laughs> well, well, who who the hell can promise never? Um, but anyway, exactly. Um, anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and move forward to RJ and at Baby Hebner on Instagram and Twitter or the X, I guess. Whatever. Fuck that. Don't don't um, don't don't be like Spencer, dude. Don't next what? thing we know, you're gonna come out with like a TikTok or something, and mm. all we're gonna see there is like flexing to like Rocky theme or something. And dude, I'll why'd, flex- you, give, why'd you give him the idea now? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is I'll flex the fuck out of the X just to make it well, Twitter. But- but Jimmy, you gotta t- you gotta take into account. He actually has to know how to do it first. So that's another. That's the other thing. That's the, like the, you know, the thing that we have to figure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get talking anyways. Too. Yeah, Mister Untechnologically Advanced over here. So don't uh, anyway. I'll get with Jesse Goddard. It'll be all right. There you go. Yeah. There, there you go. go. Um. Anyways, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Reffing It Up. Uh, all our links are there. Great platforms, Ryan. Great. Uh, just great community that we built. You know, you get a lot of quality, quality listeners uh, to the show, and uh, just thank each each of you for uh, being here each and every week. Uh, next week, uh, stay tuned. We'll be announcing our guest that will be joining us next week right here on Reffing It Up. Uh, stay tuned to all our social medias. We'll announce it sometime by the end of the week, if not sooner. Um, but and then you can be a part of the show throw your questions there in the dms and uh we'll make sure we'll try to get them on sometimes the card subject to change as they like to say but um anyways thank you guys for being here this week for mr jimmy caderas for brian hebner i am rj we'll see you next week right here on revving it up one two three